Well, we're anticipating vacation Bible school, right? We've been talking about, uh, talking about anticipation, anticipating the Lord's return for the last several weeks, and we're going to again this morning, and Lord willing, next Sunday. But we're anticipating vacation Bible school and what the Lord has in store for us, and we have been for some time, many of us, for months. I know it was at the end of last year, the, the, at the end of the vacation Bible school week, I had some people come to me who said, I'm going to do what I did this week again next year, so make sure you keep me informed. And we had people say, we want to bring our kids next year, so tell us when the date is. So we always pick the date for vacation Bible school so we can let our parents know by by uh, next Friday, and and we're anticipating vacation Bible school. I'm anticipating something behind me moving this morning. I'm just, I don't know, I look back here and I'm a little concerned about some of these things moving. I think something moved earlier, and I what in the world was that? Stuff is, you know, settling, I think. Uh, the two things concern me, though. There's a hornet's nest over here. Is that a hornet's nest? That is a hornet's nest, right? And on the, you didn't see that on the piano. Just let me point that out to you if you didn't see the hornet's nest. And then there's a dinosaur without feet behind me, and I'm concerned about that too. We're going to try to take care of that, right, Nick? Nick and I were talking about that. We're a little concerned about that dinosaur without feet. So we're going to fix that for vacation Bible school. Nick and I are going to work on some feet, some, some feet for that dinosaur, right, Nick? Anything we can do that? Um, do you anticipate, do you anticipate the Lord's return? Are you anticipating, like we're anticipating things coming up for us this week? We're excited about that. And I noticed the youngsters get into those puppet. Whenever, whenever the puppet comes out, kids love that. I've done that at home. It's been a while, but every once in a while I'll get out a stupid puppet and make it talk, you know, at home. And the kids just sit and laugh. And sometimes they try to beat him up, but that's not right, is it? Um, but, you know, my puppet, I don't know, I, he, he talks trash sometimes. So I don't know. Not mean, not naughty words, but, you know, he gets mean and, uh, we anticipate vacation Bible school. I gotta be careful here. You know, we're anticipating vacation Bible school. You know, we ought to be anticipating the Lord's return. Do you really anticipate the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, Carolyn was telling me that she heard a message from uh, John MacArthur. She learned, she listens to a real pastor other times during the week. A real preacher. She listened to John MacArthur. She was, she didn't say that. I said that. She listened to John MacArthur this week and he said something about when he was a youngster, uh, as a youngster in grade school, he, the teacher left the room for a period of time and, and he got rambunctious and decided that it would be cool to jump from one desk to the other and got on the desks and started jumping from one desk to the next. Little did he know the teacher came in while he was jumping from one desk to the next and just stood there quietly for a period of time until the class got really quiet and then he realized he was in deep trouble. And he said after that, it it definitely changed how he behaved after he got in trouble, after he got caught misbehaving, jumping from desk to desk. It it changed how he behaved from then on, knowing that that in the future, the teacher could reappear at any moment, you know, and and he would be caught. Uh, We ought to live like that as believers, you know. We ought to be, as true followers of Jesus Christ, our behavior... Today, the way we live today ought to reflect the fact that we are anticipating the imminent return of Christ because the Scriptures tell us that Jesus Christ could return at any moment. Wouldn't it be a great thing if He returned before I was done preaching? And don't say amen. Yes, it would be really good if you if He returned before you're done preaching. It would be, though. I'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? I mean, sometimes we say, I, I, could, I could just live with Jesus Christ returning any moment now. There are other times we say, I'm not sure I want Christ's return just yet. There's some things I want to do, some things I want to accomplish. But really, as followers of Christ, we ought to be living 
in a way that glorifies God, that proves that we are anticipating the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so far in our study here in 1 John chapter 2 and 1 John chapter 3, we've seen the following characteristics of a believer that lives in anticipation of the return of Christ. Number one, and we've been in 1 John chapter 2 verses 28 through chapter 3 verse 3, you can go there. But number one, believers who live in anticipation of Christ's return abide in Him. Chapter 2, verse 28, reminds us that, that believers who live in anticipation of the return of Christ abide in Him. It says in verse 28, And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. So if you're properly anticipating the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to abide in Christ, and that means that you're going to cling to Christ. You're going to make Him your focal point in life. And there is hope in Christ being your sacrifice. There is hope in Christ being your propitiation for your sins and for my sins. And we ought to make Him our example. We ought to make Him our focal point in life. And we ought to cling to Christ. We ought not cling to the ungodly things in this world. We ought to fix our minds on heavenly things, right? Those things that are above we got to be living for Jesus Christ right now, being earthly good for the kingdom of God, but we ought to keep our mind on heavenly things. we got to keep our mind on Christ, and we ought to abide in Him. And believers who properly abide in Christ faithfully serve Christ, and they seek to saturate their heart and mind with God's Word. And when you do, you abide with Him. You abide in Christ, and you make Christ the focal point example in your life. Number two, Believers who live in anticipation of Christ's return live with confidence. You live with confidence when you properly live in anticipation of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. In verse 28 again, in chapter 2 it says, And now little children abide in Him so that you can have confidence. Abide in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His appearing. You want to live with confidence? Abide in Christ. Make Christ your focal point, And then live with confidence that you won't have to shrink in shame at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ or when you meet Him in heaven. If we're believers who are making Christ our focal point in life, we can live with confidence in Christ. Not self. This is not self-confidence. Because our confidence is rooted in what Christ has accomplished through His sacrifice on the cross for us in taking away our sin and paying the price for the penalty for our sin. Our confidence is in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves. And we'd, we'd be in trouble if we had to put confidence in ourselves. But we are not in trouble. We put our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, and so we live with confidence when we properly anticipate the return of Christ. Thirdly, believers who live in anticipation of Christ's return practice righteousness. They practice righteousness. Verse 29 says in chapter 2 that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. And those who anticipate the return of Jesus Christ make a practice of practicing righteousness, right? Make a habit of practicing righteousness. 1 John chapter 2, verse 14 reminds us, gives us this precious promise in chapter 2, verse 14, that believers are strong for overcoming the evil one when the Word of God abides in them. And when the Word of God abides in you, when you read the Word and obey the Word, it's one thing to read it, it's another thing to obey it, you need to do both. You need to read it and know it and obey God's Word. And when you obey 
His word, you will practice righteousness. You will make a habit of practicing righteousness. Fourthly, believers who live in anticipation of Christ's return hope in the love of God for them. They hope in the love of God. You need your hope in the love of God. I need my hope in the love of God. We need this reminder from time to time. And we spent a couple of weeks talking about this in verse 1 of chapter 3, 1 John. Look at it again with me. Because everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him, and those who have been born of Him have hope in the love of God for them. You hope in the love of God. See, it says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us in chapter 3, verse 1. You see, we hope in the love of God for us because we can see it demonstrated in the actions of Christ on our behalf and on the cross. Jesus Christ loves us in spite of ourselves. He loved us first. We didn't love Him first. And we can see and take in and know the love of God for us in His Word. And we can also hope in the love of God because it is a gift. Thank goodness God's grace and mercy and love for us is a gift, an unmerited gift. We did not earn it. We cannot earn it. It is a gift. And we would have no hope if we had to earn God's love. We also hope in the love of God because we are called God's children. We are declared to be God's children. And not only are we declared to be and called God's children, but we are God's children now. And so we hope in the love of God. Number five, believers who live in anticipation of the return of Christ also hope in the love of God, not in the love of the world. You realize that the the world doesn't love you, don't you? When you're a follower of Christ and you obey the commands of God's Word, you find out very quickly that the, the world is not in love with you. But that should not surprise you. It should not disappoint you. It should not ruin your hope. We don't live hoping that the world will know us and understand us because it's obvious the world doesn't get Jesus. The world didn't get Jesus when He was walking on earth and working miracles on earth. And when He was crucified, the world did not get Him, did not understand Him. And the world doesn't understand Jesus today because their eyes are blinded to the truth. And so they're not going to get us and they're not going to love us. They're not going to understand followers of Christ and the fact that Jesus Christ is alive and at work in them through the Spirit of God in their souls. And so no matter what the world thinks of those who follow Christ, we find great hope in the love of God. Not in love of the world. Now we come to the sixth mark of a believer who lives in anticipation of the return of Christ, and it is this. Number six, believers who live in anticipation of the return of Christ have present strength because they know, as God's children, they will be like Him. Those who anticipate the return of Christ have strength for today, have present strength because they know, as God's children, they will be like Christ someday. Let's look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Believer today, follower of Christ today, you and I can have present strength to live today and live this week And this month and this year, as long as the Lord tarries, we can have present strength 
to live because we know what we will be when we see Christ. We know what we will be when we see Christ. I'm reminded of the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. There's a line in there that Thomas Chisholm wrote, there's one verse in the hymn that reminds us of the hope that we have because of Christ. One of the verses goes like this, Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. And then listen to this, Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. I love that. I love that because that reminds us of where our hope should be. And we get hope from the Lord to live today. We get strength from the Lord to live today. Hope for today, right? Strength for today. A bright hope for tomorrow, says Thomas Chisholm. And believers who live in anticipation of the return of Christ have strength for today. Strength for today because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in them and hope for tomorrow because of the promises before us. And believers who live in anticipation of the return of Christ have have that present strength because they know as God's children they will be like Christ. You know it without a shadow of a doubt because God's Word declares it to be so. And I want I want you to see why I believe this is true. Why believers who properly anticipate the return of Christ have present strength. Why is that true? That we can have present strength because we know that we will be like Christ, first of all. Number one, We know we aren't always what we should be, but we know that we aren't what we will be. That's confusing, isn't it? We know that we aren't always what we should be, right? You know you're not always what you should be. I know I'm not always what I should be. But I know that I will be one day what I should be. I know what we will be, and we will be like Christ. For followers of Jesus Christ, for those who have confessed their sin and believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, yes, you struggle today to be what you should be, but there will be a day when you no longer struggle with sin. John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, and what we will be has not yet appeared. You see it? And what we will be has not yet appeared. You see, as believers, we aren't right now what we will be. We aren't ourselves, actually. That sounds strange. Because we've been declared to be something else. We've been declared righteous, although we're not completely holy yet. We've been declared to be so. And so we're not actually what we will be just yet, and we're actually not what we are in Christ. Earlier in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, John notes that he's writing these things in 1 John so that believers won't sin. So obviously... Believers still struggle with sin. And, and if you're honest with yourself, you're going to agree with that, that believers still struggle with sin, don't we? But we know that one day we won't have to deal with sin any longer. And this hope is ours as followers of Christ. There will be a day when we won't be ourselves. We'll be like Christ. We'll be like Christ. There will be a day when we will be like Christ, and that should give us great hope for today and great strength for today. Right now, we are sinners, and we are saved by God's grace. Praise God. Are you saved by God's grace? If you're saved, it's only by God's grace. And we can praise God for that. But we still sin, don't we? 
and we still struggle with sin and we still face sin issues in our life, things that we need to rid our lives of, Paul charged Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, to fight the good fight of faith. And that's what we need to do. We need to fight the good fight. It is a fight with sin that we are in. It is a battle, and we are to fight it. We ought to get up every morning with a, with a, with a, uh, a military mindset that I'm going to fight sin today, and I'm going to win in the power of Jesus Christ at work in me. And we ought to fight the good fight, as Paul charged Timothy, and we ought to pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness, as he, as he talks to Timothy about in verse 11 of 1 Timothy 6. Right now, we are to pursue Christ's likeness But there will be a day when we will no longer pursue Christ's likeness because we will be like Christ and we won't need to. Won't that be a precious day? Aren't you living in anticipation of that day when you no longer have to fight daily with sin? That's exciting, isn't it? It's, it ought to give us strength to serve Christ today. It ought to give us great hope in what lies ahead. And in the here and now, what we will be has not yet appeared. We know that. But we, we have this great hope for today because then when we see Christ, we'll see Him as He is and we will be like Him. And note why this great hope can be ours. Number two, if we are followers of Christ, we are God's children now as His beloved. We are God's children now. That's why we can have a future hope of what we will be. Verse 2 again, back up to the beginning of verse 2 where it says, Beloved, we are God's children now. You see, we had a hope in the love of God like we talked about in verse 1. And this hope is ours because God has given us His love and made us His own, and so we are beloved. Right? What a, what a wonderful title. Beloved? Can I call you beloved? Followers of Christ? Beloved? Followers of Christ, you are loved by God. And He has given you a precious gift. He has called you His own. And you are now His child. And this present strength and hope is ours to help us, help us live in today's spiritual climate. This is very difficult at times. Because we are God's children now. John chapter 1 verse 12, the gospel of John chapter 1 verse 12 reminds us that to all who did receive him, that is Jesus Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And no, we aren't what we will be. And yes, we must continue to fight the good fight of faith as long as we await the return of Christ. But, but present strength for daily living is ours. Because we are God's children now. And this is not just a hopeful thinking on our part that gives us strength. This is not just a, a you know, pound yourself on the back, encourage, your, encourage yourself and pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of strength. This is hope in the love of God for us. It is the fact that as God's children, we now have the presence of the Holy Spirit living and working in us to make us like Christ, to make us live like Christ, to help us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to embolden us, to re- help us recall what we know from God's Word, to, to give us hope and courage and strength when we face heartache and difficulty and struggle. 
Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 reminds us that because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you at work in you, calling out to the Father, Help! Help! And your help comes from the Father. But this present status as God's children isn't all that gives us strength for today. Because if we're followers of Christ, we're God's children now as His beloved. But that's not all. Thirdly, there will be a time when we will be like Christ because we will see Him as He is. We don't see Him now, do we? We can't see Him as He is now. And note what the Scriptures tell us about this future glory that awaits us. So there's these beautiful passages from God's Word that give us a great hope because we can't see Him now, but we do know that when we see Him, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 18, where Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We can't see it now. We can't even comprehend the glory that will be revealed to us, but we can comprehend because writers like Luke, inspired by God, give us passages like Romans 8, verse 18, that help us realize that the sufferings that we go through today are nothing in comparison to the wonderful glory that will be revealed to us one day. Do we face difficulties? Yes. Do we face struggles? Absolutely. Do we deal with sin? Yes, we do. We have to confront sin in our lives, don't we? Do we face heartache and disappointment and discouragement? Absolutely. In this fallen world, those things come at us from four directions, don't they? But Paul, inspired by God, is here to remind us that these aren't worthy of comparison when it comes to the glory that will be revealed to us. Much like that, he also writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Can you say with Paul that the difficulties that you face as God's child are light and momentary? <laughs> we don't do that, do we? We don't face difficulties with, yeah, this is light. This is momentary. This is nothing compared with the riches that I'll, that I'll enjoy with God and glory. This is nothing. This, this is nothing compared with this, this eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Do we, do we do that? We struggle with that, don't we? But we need to live in that hope. Can you say with Paul that the difficulties and the hardship that you face as God's child are light, momentary afflictions? that are preparing you for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, we ought to be able to, as God's children, to take His Word and say, this is His precious promise inspired by God. I'm reminded by Paul that this is nothing. Hard? Yes. Do I grieve at times? Do we struggle at times? Yes, we do. That's normal. And that's understandable. But we don't let, it, we don't let ourselves stay there, do we? We hope in God because of this light and momentary affliction is nothing to be compared to the eternal weight of glory being prepared for us. We don't always see our difficulties that way, do we? 
We don't always see the, the challenges that we face and the misunderstandings that, that are thrown at us from unbelievers at times in that light. Sometimes it helps to have things put into perspective. I want to put something into perspective for you for, you for a moment. This week, the Olympics will be in China. Now, while the world watches the Olympics on television in China this week, there will be Christian believers... Chinese believers, Christians in China, who are facing daily persecution for their faith. There will be believers in the next following, in the following days as the world watches the Olympics in China, there will be believers who are being persecuted for their faith. We're often in our Wednesday praise and prayer time, we're reminding one another that we ought to pray for persecuted believers around the world because persecution exists and it's real today. We don't know what persecution is compared to those who face severe persecution around the world. And so we bring that up from time to time in our prayer time to remind one another, pray for the persecuted church that they would have grace to endure. This week, uh, Will Kern brought me a, a newspaper with some Christian news and there was this article in it. A leader among China's unregistered house churches and his wife were forced from their home by Chinese authorities July 6th. The only explanation given by officials for the couple's treatment was that the pastor, quote, met the Americans and destroyed the harmony of the Beijing Olympic Games. Bike Zhang, chairman of the Federation House Church, and his wife were forced to leave their home in Beijing, Chaiyang District by officials in the Public Security Bureau. When authorities learned the couple had found shelter in a home of a friend, they forced the Zangs to leave. A hotel owner in another district allowed the Zangs to take up extended residence in the facility, but on July the 14th, officials with the Security Bureau in that city threatened the hotel owner with incarceration if he did not evict the couple. When the Zangs traveled to another city, they were stopped en route by police officials and taken to the town's government offices for interrogation. Police officers interrogated the couple constantly throughout the night without food, drink, or rest. At 6 a.m., Mrs. Zhang collapsed but was not taken to the hospital until 11 a.m. After she had recovered enough to travel, the couple was released from custody and went to a hotel where they again were accosted and forced to leave town. After police prevented several more attempts, Police prevented several more attempts to find shelter. Zhang took his wife to her sister's home in another province and found lodging for himself at a local hotel. On July 16th, police there followed Zhang when he went out to buy medicine for his wife, and she was forced to move out of her sister's home. At last report, Zhang and his wife were living on the streets. When the China Aid Association asked why the couple was being treated in that manner, they were told, quote, because Bike Zhang met the Americans and destroyed the harmony of the Beijing Olympic Games. As a side note, I hope that, that each time you hear something about the Olympics in the days to come, each time you watch something about the Olympics on television, each time you talk about the Olympics, that you will be reminded to pray for believers who are being persecuted in China. For Jesus' sake, they're being persecuted, and we ought to pray for them. So I hope that each time you hear of and watch and speak of the Olympics in the following days, you'll think of Chinese Christians and pray for them 
but they'll have grace to endure, that they will see that their light and momentary afflictions. Do we have light and momentary afflictions? We look at this and we say, well, I haven't gone through that. But Paul says these light and momentary afflictions are preparing for them an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Does that give you hope about what you will be one day? Does it give you strength to live today? It ought to. You see, we may not face the same kind of persecution that Chinese believers do, but we do face hardship, don't we? We do face difficulties, and we do face misunderstandings and misrepresentation by the world as believers in Jesus Christ. If you live for Jesus Christ in this world today, you will be misunderstood, you will be misrepresented. But you ought not be surprised. You may even be persecuted for your faith, but you ought not lose heart. Because this is our hope, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.9, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. You can't even imagine. I cannot even imagine what God is preparing for us. It is beyond our wildest imagination. And as I noted last time, we don't hope in the love of the world. We hope in the love of God. And the love of God can be seen in the fact that, that we will be like Christ when we see Him because we will see Him as He is. And we will be with Christ. And we will be like Christ in our eternal home. Which ought to be a reminder to us to not lose hope because you're not in your eternal home. You're a foreigner in this land. You realize that you're a foreigner on earth? That you're an alien? Paul reminds us as he writes in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. You see, we gain strength to live today when we hope in that future promise. We gain strength to live today when we know we will be like Him. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. We eagerly await the return of Jesus Christ. We eagerly wait and hope in what we know we will be, don't we? We find great strength for today and hope for tomorrow in what we know we will be when He returns. The believer that lives in anticipation of the return of Christ has a future hope that gives present strength. Be strengthened in hope. We hope in the future promise of what we will be because we are God's children now. Amen? What a precious promise. We hope in the present promise of our eternal, eternal Christ-likeness. It helps put things into perspective today, doesn't it? What's, what's eternity? Can you fathom eternity? I can't. <laughs> I can't fathom eternity. We hope in the future promise of our eternal Christ-likeness. 
Believers who live in anticipation of the return of Christ have present strength because they know, as God's children, they will be like Christ. So, beloved, chapter 3, verse 2, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know. New meaning there, huh? We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Pray with me. Father in Heaven, oh, what precious promises Your Word contains. What precious promises from Your Word this morning we see. And Father, I pray that as Your beloved, as Your children now, help us to take great hope and strength in knowing that, no, we aren't where we should be. We aren't always what we should be. And we should yield ourselves to You. But help us to know that when Jesus Christ appears that we will be like Him and we will no longer fight the fight with sin and we will no longer strive for Christ's likeness. We will be like Christ because we'll see Him as He is. So Lord, give us great hope and strength in these precious promises from Your Word. God, strengthen our hearts today. Encourage us in the week ahead in the month ahead, in the year ahead, as long as you tarry, build us up to hope in your love and have great strength for today because of what we know about what we will be. Because of what we know about what you are doing right now in and through us through the working presence of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray Should there be individuals here this morning who have never trusted Jesus Christ, help them to realize they need to repent of their sin today and believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. And that they too will be like Christ when He appears because they too will see Him as He is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.